Well, welcome to this month's Ask Your Herb Doctor. My name's Andrew Murray. My name's Sarah Johannesson Murray. Uh, for those of you who perhaps have never listened to our shows, which run every third Friday of the month from 7 to 8 p.m., we're both licensed medical herbalists who trained in England and graduated there with a degree in herbal medicine. We run a clinic in Garberville where we consult with clients about a wide range of conditions and recommend herbal medicines and dietary advice. So you're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor on KMUD Garberville 91.1 FM and from 7.30 until the end of the show at 8 o'clock, you're invited to call in with any questions either related or unrelated to this month's subject, which is a continuation of a previous uh, topic on nitric oxide and its current trend, uh, or rather the uh, current trends in nitric oxide that have come around in the last year or two, uh, both in the sports industry, uh, specifically for muscle building, uh, for male performance enhancement, for want of a better phrase, uh, and also by uh, the medical community. Um, but there's a lot of uh, very recent research from 2013 to present 2015 research showing that nitric oxide is actually a very a negative product, even though we do produce it naturally, has some very wide-ranging damaging effects. And uh, Dr. Pete's uh, research on nitric oxide and his newsletter that I think is going to be producing next month uh, will detail in a lot of de- uh, will show in a lot of detail rather um, a lot of the research that's supporting uh, what we're going to talk about tonight. So nitric oxide has many implications for many different uh, conditions uh, from rheumatoid arthritis uh, to diabetes, generalized inflammation uh, and old age. Um, but there'll be some specifics that we'll bring out in the show. And so they'll, for those people that are listening tonight, um, if you have any of the conditions that are associated uh, with nitric oxide's increase in the body, then this will be uh, an interesting show for you, and uh, we'd love you to call in to share your experiences. So, uh, Dr. Pete, are you with us? Yes. Okay, well, thanks so much for your time again. Um, for those people who perhaps have never heard the show or who perhaps may not have heard of you, uh, would you just describe your academic and professional background, and then we'll get going on the subject. Um. I did my um, master's degree in humanities at University of Oregon and then uh, went back years later uh, in biology for a Ph.D. and intended to study uh, brain biology, but uh, quickly shifted to reproductive aging physiology. And so I concentrated on uh, the biochemistry of, of uh, the uh, steroid hormones in relation to aging largely okay so uh, i guess i think i just open up the show by um just demonstrating some of the things that if people were to search online uh and be for want of a better word a victim of bad advertising what they would find out about nitric oxide um unfortunately the uh the internet is rife with lots of untruths and misconceptions, as well as uh, very genuine and good research uh, to counter some of the accusations. But nitric oxide, I, what I've seen, uh, its main use, or it's touted for, is to uh, help the immune system. Uh, they mention it uh, to be used to regulate blood pressure, uh, to improve sleep. And then there's the things that it's mainly advertised for, which is for endurance and strength, for bodybuilding, and uh, sexual performance enhancing, uh, and also for helping gastric motility. But So, Dr. Pete, what, uh, given that we produce nitric oxide naturally, it uh, doesn't mean to say it's always a good thing, 
like adrenaline, too much of that's a bad thing. But given that we produce it naturally, um, it, what useful effect does it have and, and, and why does it have so many negative effects when we get into what it is you know about nitric oxide and why we should avoid it? And also, why why do they tout nitric oxide to be used for all those conditions when it isn't true? What Where are they twisting the truth? Uh, my dissertation in 1972 focused on estrogen, but um, I, I saw that the effects of estrogen were uh, indistinguishable from the effects of x-rays and aging and oxygen deprivation. And uh, how that works is that uh, it changes the uh, oxidative enzyme function, uh, cytochrome oxidase. Mm. And uh, it was known that Smog produces nitric oxide. It wasn't known that it occurred naturally in the body until the late 80s. Uh, but the effects of nitric oxide in smog were known to uh, inhibit or damage that same respiratory enzyme. And at the time I was uh, studying estrogen, it was known that carbon monoxide and uh, cyanide also uh, blocked the effect. Uh, effect of oxygen in the cell. And uh, so uh, no one really thought about what nitric oxide was uh, doing to the cell, except when they were exposed to a lot of smog. But <clears throat> as soon as it was discovered that it was produced in the body, a series of publications over the next six or seven years, up until the late 90s, uh, identified the harm that it did in the various tissues. For example, uh, several papers clearly showed how it uh, inflammation or stress increasing nitric oxide damages the insulin-producing cells in the pancreas. And so it's a major cause of uh, diabetes, regardless of the particular person's history uh, leading to the diabetes, so but uh, not only uh, damaging the, the cells in the pancreas, uh, but they were seeing similar damage to every tissue they looked at, which seemed logical since it was a free radical mm-hmm. analogous to cyanide and carbon monoxide in its uh, function in the cell. But then uh, someone noticed that nitric oxide causes vasodilation during arousal and erection. Right. And Viagra came on the scene with a tremendous amount of funding for research. So this is about 15 years ago now, is it? Or? Yeah, uh, 97, I think it was. Right, okay. And um, suddenly all of the bad stuff was forgotten and everyone <laughs> wanted to uh, find out uh, the wonder uh, curative effects of, of the drug that could improve virility supposedly. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and very soon after it came out, I started hearing from people who were uh, suffering things such as diabetes uh, from taking uh, the uh, virility pills. Mm-hmm. And uh, that got me interested in it very, uh, very early after uh, the uh, Viagra came on the market. Uh, but it, it uh, uh, was uh, fitting right into the 
things that I was already there's quite a positive association isn't there between uh, cardiac arrest and viagra's use i think it's uh, i think it's killed quite a few people at this point in time um well it's probably killing more people <coughs> than are being identified because <coughs> nitric oxide is produced in any stressed cell or tissue and uh, it decreases the function of the tissue by blocking the energy production. So it creates a vicious circle in the same way uh, too much estrogen can, or uh, stress of any sort uh, can start a, a cycle of energy loss, uh, increased uh, production of the uh, stress deviators, including nitric oxide, uh, exciting the tissue, blocking the energy of the tissue and uh, leading the cell to die. So all these things that they're touting nitric oxide are good for, is there any thread of truth to this? To um, these yeah, statements? Of the things you mentioned, um, it actually does one of those things, which is to make muscles grow. Huh. Uh, but uh, that's one of the things that uh, St. Georgie and Otto Warburg understood 50 years ago. Is that because that, of this uh, uh, inflammation? or In in the absence of oxygen, uh, life can't do anything but grow and divide. <clears throat> and so anything that blocks the cytochrome C oxidase, blocking oxidative metabolism, tends to uh, stimulate cell division uh, because that's all uh, life can do. On, on the uh, lactic acid-producing cycle. And uh, experiments uh, both with a nitric oxide uh, supplement or creating the conditions such as uh, cutting off the blood supply to uh, cause muscle tissue to produce its own excess nitric oxide, uh, they found that it stimulated the multiplication of cells in the muscle. The satellite cells uh, surrounding the muscle fiber itself um, multiply under the influence of nitric oxide or simply hypoxia leading to uh, lactic acid production. So it's a very inflammatory process, even though they're describing it as something that is wonderful. You'll increase your muscles if you... Take yeah, supplements that are precursors for nitric oxide production. Yeah, they found that uh, you could cause muscle enlargement and growth uh, just by putting a tourniquet on, <laughs> or if you combined mild <laughs> exercise with a well, tourniquet well, occasionally. Because of the oxygen uh, deprivation. Yeah, really <laughs> big muscle growth from wow. injuring it. Wow. But th that's the basic thing that uh, cells divide, like cancer, uh, when they don't have the energy to. Huh. do what they should do so it's a kind of uh, uh, it's a kind of uh, negative response to that uh, stimulation then um, yeah so anytime you, you injure a tissue whether it's in the brain or heart or blood vessel uh, pancreas whatever uh, there are stem cells uh, the satellite cells and muscles are probably just the local stem cell which might be replenished from bone marrow, for example, but anyway, they function as stem cells. And so 
So any time a tissue is injured, the uh, lack of oxygen temporarily stimulates uh, the multiplication of stem-like cells, uh, which have the potential of regenerating the tissue. Okay, so good. it's a natural process that that would happen to stimulate cell growth, but they're yes, twisting uh, it and saying that it's something good that it increases muscle growth. Well, it's always a, a local, more or less microscopic process when it's natural. But if you flood the system, right. hoping to grow all of your muscles bigger, uh, then you're also providing it to your brain, immune system, uh, gonads, uh, everything is uh, being, uh, in effect, deprived of oxygen. So drugs that increase nitric oxide would be classed as carcinogens then? Um, in fact, yeah, that's starting to be recognized that uh, it's a, a very basic factor in promoting cancer uh, development, growth, and spreading Okay, well, you're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor on KMED Galbaville 91.1 FM from 7.30 until 8 o'clock this evening, and you're invited to call in with any questions either related or unrelated to this month's topic of nitrous or nitric oxide uh, and its damaging effects. And uh, the number here, if you live in the area, is 923-3911, or there's an 800 number if you're outside the area, 1-800-KMUD-RAD. That's 1-800-568-3723. Uh, so getting back to some of the things that they uh, say nitric oxide, uh, nitrous, nitric oxide supplements are beneficial for, and actually it's never the nitric oxide that you get in a capsule or a tablet anyway, is it? It's the precursor. It's the amino acid precursor that uh, nitric oxide is manufactured from. Is there any truth to the vasodilatory, the, di- the, the artery-dilating effects that would supposedly help people with blood pressure? I mean, is that just completely erroneous science too? Oh, uh, no, it, it does that. Uh, nitric, um, <coughs> nitroglycerin was used right. uh, for a long time to open up a uh, heart artery. And uh, you, you do uh, increase uh, the flow of blood by uh, relaxing the arterioles. And, and uh, the, the trouble is that uh, the, the, um, if, if you increase it beyond... A, a temporary uh, dilation, it's going to start the, the damaging process of increasing uh, collagen formation and uh, uh, cell multiplication and so on. So the, the, you can get a momentary effect from uh, sniffing nitroglycerin, for example. Right. But uh, the uh, as a chronic thing or a systemic thing, it's uh, not at all good. In fact, it ages. It, it, uh, in a chronic situation, for example, where your intestine is uh, being irritated, uh, irritable uh, bowel syndrome, for example, or, or just mild uh, digestive problems, uh, you uh, absorb both nitric oxide and uh, endotoxin, and uh, these, the endotoxin increases the production of nitric oxide everywhere, and in the blood vessels, the uh, increased and chronic effect of nitric oxide is to promote uh, thickening and atherosclerosis and uh, hardening of the arteries. Hmm. So, in fact, it's actually 
going to be worsening the condition you're taking it for if you're taking it for blood pressure or uh, yeah the the momentary effect over minutes or hours uh, can be helpful like if you have a constricted area uh, the relaxation locally in that particular artery opens up lets the blood keep flowing but if when you do that systemically all you're doing is uh, adding to the uh, chronic inflammation, stress, and degeneration of the arteries, heart, and all of the other organs. So the body should be um, producing a little bit of nitric oxide in that constricted artery, is what Uh, you're saying, when you take it. When you have a local, like a pinch of an artery, uh, the cells sense that they aren't getting enough oxygen, and in reaction to the stress... If nitric oxide is produced locally, opens it up, lets the blood through the stressed point. So, so it's like a local regulatory process and uh, shouldn't ever be a, a systemic generalized process for uh, treating high blood pressure, for example. Mm-hmm. It's like when someone takes nitroglycerin. Um, yeah, all, all it's doing is relieving a momentary pinch in the heart, which can be... Uh, good, I guess, for the heart, but systemically, it's, uh, for example, one of the things that it does is to increase uh, aldosterone, the adrenal uh, salt-regulating steroid that produces inflammation and fibrosis as a side effect. Okay, now aldosterone is also uh, uh, implicated for blood pressure regulation, isn't it? Uh, uh, yeah, too yeah. much, too yeah. much aldosterone and you uh, get high blood pressure. <laughs> so the, the side effect of chronic nitric oxide can be exactly the opposite, the opposite <laughs> of what they're promoting. Oh, oh my goodness. Uh, let me just um, outline uh, for people that are listening that, uh, and I may be wrong here, I I'm usually find information and or have from previous knowledge information that uh, you uncover, uncover fairly uh, often to be incomplete or actually not quite correct but uh, in terms of nitric oxide's production uh, am I right in thinking that there are three major sites that uh, the endothelia inside the vessel walls is one uh, and then a neuronal uh, synthesed from nerve cells and then there's the inducible form is that correct or is it there any other methods yeah, it's generally the inducible form, which can occur apparently in any cell, ah. um, including nerves. And, uh, in response to inflammation or damage? or, or? Um, Yeah, any stress seems right. to increase the inducible one. Because huh. uh, it made me think, <coughs> excuse me, of a, uh, a person who I was speaking with earlier who had, um, amongst other things, one of the main symptoms that they had was uh, a... a uh, inflammation of the kidneys both of them um, they had uh, ureteral obstruction retrograde urinary flow backing up into the kidneys producing a chronic or, or rather an acute um, uh, kidney uh, inflammation and what i what i read in one of the articles uh, on pubmed articles was that the uh, glomerulus uh, which is a functional unit of the kidney uh, was unique in that the uh, vascular networks have the potential themselves to express several what they call isoforms of nitric oxide nitric oxide synthase, uh, and 
can produce quite an amount of this in response to injury. And I was wondering, in terms of the realistic uh, inhibition of nitric oxide, I only found two two compounds. One of them uh, I found uh, advertised by Sigma Aldrich. It's a fairly big, well, it's one of the biggest, I think, in, in America, chemical firms that... Uh, we're charging a lot of money for a five microgram, uh, five milligram sample. Uh, but the the other one apparently uh, is almost as effective, but I think it has a slightly different mechanism, and that was amino guanidine. And that, if you look at that online, is actually sold um, as a uh, blocker of the uh, glycation uh, process, whereby sugars and proteins form uh, these glycation end products that are damaging. What that, th- that was its first recognized effect, but it turns out <laughs> it's achieving that by blocking nitric oxide, <laughs> which leads to uh, the oxidation damage to uh, all of the, the blood vessels. So is aminoguanidine as good? Because the other compound, it was... Uh, let me see, I have it. I have a note uh, of it. Yeah, there's there's another one that's a, just a variation on aminoguanidine okay. uh, called agmatine, which is... Oh. It occurs in foods, uh, meat, fish, uh, mushrooms, for example. Would you do, would you get enough of this product? From... Uh, no, it's probably helpful somewhat. Right. Uh, uh, the uh, weightlifters who were using nitric oxide to puff up their muscles mm-hmm. uh, heard something about agmatine, and they started <laughs> using it. But uh, then the word went around that it's inhibiting <laughs> nitric oxide, so... I think there's some confusion currently. Do, do you think that using amino guanidine as a uh, competitive inhibitor of nitric oxide would be reasonable a reasonable approach to a kind of systemic inflammation that you'd find, say, in uh, rheumatoid arthritis patients? Or I think it probably is, but I think there are safer things that okay. have been studied more. Uh, amino guanidine, or yeah, amino guanidine, has been known chemically for over a hundred years, I think, but uh, it just hasn't been researched as a, a medical treatment enough that I would feel right. very confident of that. But uh, the uh, safest uh, inhibitors happen to be uh, niacin amide, which has two or three different routes for inhibiting it. Okay. Aspirin, which... Uh, has uh, two or three at least uh, direct and indirect ways of inhibiting it. Uh, progesterone, which is uh, partly acting by blocking estrogen's increase of uh, nitric oxide. Interesting, because you mentioned niacinamide, uh, and this is this is the compound that I remember you talking about most for lowering sh- blood sugar in diabetics or, or you know, Type type two diabetic patients. Um, uh, yeah, it does just about everything protective. It protects nerve cells against nitric oxide's uh, damaging effects. Uh, and uh, oh, one other uh, pretty safe uh, inhibitor is methylene blue. Okay, yeah, I'm starting to see more starting to see more of that compound come up on uh, PubMed articles for quite a few different. Uh, approaches to, to, to disease but um, 
I, I don't know. At this point in time, I I remember seeing that also as a chemical that was advertised on uh, Sigma Aldrich's website. <laughs> I don't think it was too expensive either. So meth- methylene blue would certainly be a uh, uh, a reasonable reasonable approach if somebody had chronic inflammation that would most likely be due to excessive nitric oxide production in that tissue uh, yeah at first i would try aspirin right. niacinamide and progesterone yeah. as the most physiological what uh, what what kind of uh, doses do you think would be a, a reasonable suggestion for somebody who wanted to try either niacinamide or or aspirin well um aspirin if you take vitamin k is safe up to several grams a day, but uh, usually with uh, two doses of 500 milligrams, uh, you get a, a pretty good systemic uh, protection. And uh, vitamin K, incidentally, uh, is in several ways helping to hold down nitric oxide production. And then how about niacinamide? Um, it's... Uh, Probably safe up to a thousand milligrams a day, but I've only had okay. experience seeing people take uh, about three or four doses of 125 milligrams each dose. So right. a total of two to 500 milligrams a day can do really dramatic things for uh, curing nerve degeneration and such. Okay. All right, we've got uh, our first caller here, so let's take this first caller and see uh, where we're going with this one. Caller, you're on the air? Uh, hi, I had a question. Yeah, go ahead. And where are you from? Um, yeah, I just, want to know, I just wanted to know if Dr. P could briefly discuss what is cystic fibrosis and some practical strategies for overcoming that condition. Um, yeah, I've, I've never worked with anyone that, that uh, had it, uh, except uh, some people suspected they might have it, and uh, it turned out they were just very hypothyroid. And uh, the um, uh, function of the adrenals can cause you to uh, uh, leak chloride so that you have extreme saltiness of your skin, high chloride content, and that is often uh, used to diagnose cystic fibrosis. But um, just uh, correcting the thyroid and adrenal function the people that I've seen turned out not to have cystic fibrosis, just a, a bad reaction to low thyroid function. Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks for your call. Okay, so the number here, if you live in the area, is 923-3911. Or if you're outside the area, there's an 800 number, one 800 Okay, I think we have another caller on there. So let's take the next caller. And where are you from, caller? Hi, this is Amy from New York. Amy from New York. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Uh, thanks for this excellent show. Uh, I had a couple questions for Dr. Pete. Uh, I'm um, studying a breathing method that's supposed to increase carbon dioxide levels, and um, they talk about um, always breathing through the nose. And um, I was worried a little about whether that would, you know, increase my nitric oxide uh levels um, because you're always breathing through the nose no the um anything that irritates your uh, membranes will uh cause if you get a runny nose from something you ate for example 
uh, that increases the nitric oxide in your nose. And uh, so you want to avoid inflammatory things in your food or uh, atmosphere uh, because uh, you, you do get local and systemic nitric oxide from any inflammatory thing. But uh, breathing through your nose itself uh, doesn't contribute anything to, to that local production. Uh, oh, okay. The idea... Um, I, the uh, Sorry? Way, when you breathe through your nose, especially if you have a good long nose, you uh, have better retention of carbon dioxide. Uh, the uh, dead space between uh, the air sac in your lung and the outside world, uh, some of the uh, buteco people uh, breathe through a, a, about an eight-inch tube to extend the pathway. But the idea of having a, a good long nose is that that extends the uh, dead space so that you keep a higher concentration of CO2. Mm, okay. I, I find snorkeling uh, does the same thing. What does? Snorkeling. snorkeling. Oh. Because you're extending your, your uh, yes. nose. <laughs> uh, swimming underwater. <laughs> just holding um, your I had, I, Oh, sorry. I had one more question for you, but it, it's off topic. But Go ahead. Um, I think that uh, you mentioned that um, it often takes about four years or even longer to get rid of the unsaturated fat stored stores in the body. Well, and that's, also that's for a complete exchange, but you can see a decrease as soon as you change your diet, but it's gradual over a period of years. Yeah, and we um, we do have a preference to burn saturated fats. Uh, I understand because it's a better, a cleaner burning fat. Um, but you meant uh, you mentioned a study that found that um, <laughs> the pigs wore, that wore sweaters they ended oh. up with uh, larger stores of saturated fats than the pigs that weren't wearing um, wearing sweaters. Uh, yeah, and, uh, I, yeah, a biochemist actually did that, and it's uh, just a demonstration that. Uh, the production of unsaturated fats is a defense against cold because saturated fats harden at low temperature. And so if you grow corn or soybeans in the tropics where it's always 85 to 95 degrees, they'll produce fairly saturated fats. And fish in the Amazon River have close to the saturation of butter in their fat. Mm. But is that, do you think that that's a viable um, strategy for people, for example, in cold climates, uh, that they want to lose as much of their stored um, uh, unsaturated uh, fats as, they, as quickly as they can? Well, <laughs> Would that uh, be a safe way to... <laughs> uh, keeping, keeping your arms and legs warm is uh, very important for your systemic metabolism, but uh, the, uh, the pig... That was uh, basically deriving uh, from a starting uh, corn or soy uh, uh, fat, and the the pigs, if they're cold, extend it to make the highly unsaturated uh, long chain with uh, five or six unsaturated bonds rather than two or three. And uh, so you, you're uh, when you synthesize. Uh, 
unsaturated fats from sugar or starch that are going to be pretty safe omega minus nine fats based on the mead acid, uh, which are much less uh, unstable than the fish oil type. Oh, I see. So it changed. Um, it changed what what was stored, the new stored fat, but it didn't change the burning fat burning preference on those the of uh, the existing uh, keeping, fat stores. Keeping, keeping your body temperature up does help you uh, oxidize fat safely. And um, that when you said that about the cold pigs having much worse uh, fat. It reminds me of, have you heard of this uh, brown fat and these guys that they they go into freezers and take cold showers and things, and, and they try to increase their stores of brown fat? Um, and what the reason they do that is it burns off all of their white fat. I mean, yeah, the, the, um, I think keeping your thyroid function up is better because the cold activates a variety of stress hormones uh, that cause some side effects besides uh, just getting rid of the fat uh, to, um, oh. to oxidize your fats while at rest by having a, a good resting metabolic rate and high body temperature is the safest way to handle them rather than increase the stress to uh, uh, increase the fat burning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. I think we have another caller on the line, so let's take this next caller and uh, find out where you're from, caller. I am from Madison, Wisconsin. Okay, welcome to the show. What's your question? Um, my first question was that I've been taking T4. It's working really well for me, but I get some eye pain sometimes in the process of titrating it. Let's say that again. I didn't hear that part. Oh, um, I get some eye pain in the process of titrating T4. Some eye? I didn't hear that. You... Eye pain. Oh, you, you're saying you got some eye pain? Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Okay. So uh, what, uh, what was your question, whether or not that was normal or whether that was... Uh... Yeah, if it's just a normal part of the titration process. Now, when you say when you say titration, do you mean you've just taken small doses, gradually increasing the dose, or? Yeah, um, I started on like probably like seven micrograms. Okay. And I'll go from seven and then up to twelve, and it I responded really well to it, but I, it seems like I get a little bit of eye pain. Now, this is to be talking about T three now. Oh, I'm sorry, T four. T four. I beg your pardon. Okay, so Doctor Pete, that's a as a very small amount of T four. Uh, the uh, caller is asking whether or not you uh, you've ever heard of any relationship to eye pain. Uh, no, I haven't. No. Uh, but um, I, I would uh, back off on the T4. Uh, if your liver isn't effectively uh, converting it to T3, it can have an antithyroid effect by accumulating, turning off your pituitary, and. Uh, your your uh, liver normally is where you get most of your active thyroid hormone. Uh, so if your liver isn't uh, doing that, you can accumulate so much T4, it uh, has stress uh, 
activating actions. Do you think it would be better for this okay. person if they wanted to try the active hormone? Um, yeah, I think it's always better to use the combination um, in the traditional way or uh, if you're, uh, for some reason, in a hurry or think you have a, a very bad liver, then small amounts of the active T3 uh, can be done safely. So you have a lot of problems okay, with um, doctors prescribing that T4 is that when someone is low thyroid and they take T4, their livers usually aren't active enough to convert the T4 into the active because T4 on its own doesn't have any action at all. It doesn't do anything. It has to be converted to T3. And if you take enough T4, you're going to turn off your brain's production of stimulating the thyroid gland, which naturally produces about one part T3 to four parts T4. So that's why taking a natural glandular ratio of one to four of um, T3 to T4 is what Dr. Pete's recommending. In the 1940s, when uh, drug companies synthesized thyroxine, they tested it on male medical students and said it worked just like real thyroid. That's T4, thyroxine. Uh, yeah, T4. But uh, the, the thing is that women with high estrogen compared to men always have a more sluggish liver. And women are the ones who, especially uh, the, the 25-year-old Medical students seldom have liver problems, but a 40-year-old female very often has a more sluggish liver so that thyroxine or T4 is very often causing problems in women. Right, because the estrogen that they are subject to at that age has that competitive inhibition. And actually, the T4 can make um, people's problems, uh, low thyroid people's problems, even worse if they don't convert it into T3. actually increases adrenaline and makes the person feel worse than they did before they took it. And one of the effects of good thyroid function is to lower nitric oxide. And uh, nitric oxide, contrary to uh, the advertising, uh, can increase pressure inside your eye. And so hypothyroidism uh, can create enough nitric oxide to um, cause symptoms such as uh, hardening of the eye, increasing the pressure. Hi. That's interesting. So I was I was wondering, like maybe um, maybe I was switching over from cortisol to thyroid, and maybe my eye was running low on energy or something. I, I couldn't understand that. Um, he, he, um, the caller said that he was switching. He was coming off of cortisol and trying to go on to thyroid, and he was wondering if his eye was running out of energy. Well, cortisol uh, increases the pressure in the eye. Uh, so it, it's possible that uh, you were still producing uh, too, much cholesterol, too much cortisol relative to uh, the protective pregnenolone progesterone and such. Hmm, okay. Interesting. Um, I have another question. Is that okay? Yeah, go ahead. Um, I was wondering what percentage of popular lab tests are fraudulent or useless. Um, I had a I had a TSH test done, and I was taking thyroid, and I stopped for like a week before the test. And my doctor said that my TSH was normal, but when I went off the thyroid, 
I started getting like oils on my scalp and other problems. Um, and I was curious how many of the tests out there are kind of don't have very much value. Well, I think the main problem is that doctors are taught that the TSH normal range is something like 0.4 to 5.0, but that number has been decreasing. Uh, The American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists has lowered it to 0.3 to 3.0, and uh, a population of healthy people uh, without thyroid cancer or other thyroid problems, uh, they averaged 0.4 TSH or less without taking a thyroid supplement. Meaning that meaning that if you're anything over one or one and a half or getting anywhere closer to two, you definitely seem like you uh, would benefit from using the hormone. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I was, um, I think I was like at 3.7 or something. Yeah. <laughs> That would that would be outside of the range according to uh, the uh, lowered revised uh, figures that have been issued. And isn't it correct, Doctor Pete, that while someone might be taking T4 and not really converting it much to T3, their TSH would still lower? Um, yeah, and the stress hormones will lower it too. Uh, so you can't really diagnose anything by uh, TSH alone, even though that's how most doctors do it. Especially. Uh, Especially when someone who's low thyroid, they're usually running on excess adrenaline, and if excess adrenaline will lower the TSH and give you a, a false positive, then or false negative. And, and high cortisol lowers it, and also at the same time causes the liver to turn thyroxine into reverse T3, which interferes even more than uh, thyroxine with uh, the active T3 function. It blocks the real t3 from actually doing anything okay that's interesting all right well thank you um do do you have anything else to say i'm sorry i'm going to cut you off oh uh well is it are his books still available dr p um they have been converted to electronic form and we're going to uh, figure out how to make them available fairly soon uh, electronically okay great um, well, I just wanted to say thank you very much, Dr. Pete, and also thank you, Herb Doctors, very much. I, I appreciate it a lot. You're very welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for your call. Okay, so uh, I ask the engineer, do we have anyone else on hold at the moment? No, okay. So the number here, if you live in the area, is 923-3911, or if you're outside the area, I want to use a toll-free number. That's one 800 568 3723. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Raymond Pete today uh, about nitric oxide and its popular use for bodybuilding uh, and for male enhancement, amongst other things, and how damaging uh, nitric oxide is and how much information and research there is uh, to show that actually it's probably more carcinogenic than anything else. Uh, I, talking along the lines of a carcinogen, uh, I saw articles that were demonstrating that nitric oxide was uh, responsible for damaging DNA, and that's how they could directly implicate it in uh, being a carcinogen. Um, yeah, um, just uh, oh, several years ago, radiation biologists uh, were seeing that uh, cells which were hit by X-rays or gamma rays uh, emitted something which would cause apparent radiation damage in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So you could uh, take the irradiated cells out of the culture dish, 
put new cells in, and they acted as if they had been irradiated. <laughs> and nitric oxide has turned out to be a major transmitter of that effect. So it's like you're being irradiated. Uh, you do produce a lot of nitric oxide, and it spreads to adjoining cells. So anything uh, that, that starts the inflammation uh, tends to spread the nitric oxide, which uh, not only breaks uh, the strands of DNA, but it also uh, changes the methylation. So the, the whole control system for expressing DNA in your chromosomes is altered under uh, chronic excess of nitric oxide. Okay, hold it there a moment, Dr. Pete, because the, uh, the light's flashing away. I think we've got one person on hold and another caller coming in. So let's uh, start by taking this next caller and uh, call away from. Say that again now. Where are you from, caller? The what? Where are you calling from? Eureka. Eureka, go ahead. What's your question? Um, I've just you probably covered this before, but I wanted to know what... Um, Alternatives to blood pressure medi medicines. Okay. Um, if you look at uh, the symptoms of chronic hypothyroidism, hypertension is one of the prominent things. Uh, a very large proportion of the people who think they have a high blood pressure problem are simply hypothyroid. The TSH itself, which rises when you're uh, hypothyroid, with, even within the normal range, it's increasing your various stress hormones and increasing your blood pressure. So TSH is a pro-inflammatory factor and one of the factors causing hypertension. So you want to keep that low just for general health. So, caller, you could um, ask your doctor for a test of TSH, and if it's above 0 0.4 then perhaps you can think about taking a thyroid supplement. Okay, I think we have another caller on the line, so let's take this next caller. Caller, where are you from? Is that I? Hi, you're on the air. Where are you from? Uh, Garberville. Garberville. Go ahead. What's your question? I wanted to know uh, the name of your uh, practice and the telephone number. Oh, okay. Well, let's give that out at the end of the show. Oh, you won't be giving it out until the end of the show. Yeah, let's not uh, spend the time on that now. We'll wait till All the right, end, end of the show. All right, I'll hang on. Thank okay, you. Okay, thank you. So uh, I don't know if there's anybody else uh, on the line. Oh, we did have one person call in and ask, uh, just not to be on the air, but uh, about COPD. Uh, he was diagnosed and had just any All right, information. Or Dr. Pete, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. There was a caller who uh, left a message with the engineer. Um, As an inflammatory or a... Uh, Fibrotic or fibrous fibrous type uh, inflammation. How do you uh, how do you see that uh, the uh, etiology of it or the uh, treatment? I've known uh, several people who had it. Uh, uh, one of my friends, who was uh, in his eighties, when I visited him in Toluca, eighty five hundred feet altitude, he was blue in the face and uh, just panting, sitting down and uh, it didn't recognize me. His brain wasn't getting enough oxygen. And I gave his uh, daughter some uh, pregnenolone, progesterone, and thyroid to give to him uh, a little bit every day. When I came back two weeks later, he was back at work up in his upper floor 
office without a an <laughs> elevator and uh, took me around the city making me pant. <laughs> uh, just a dramatic uh, improvement in oxygen uh, absorption in his lungs. So is, is that how is that how you would see that plausibly uh, being a mechanism by which uh, someone could be uh, could regain their breath again? Uh, yeah. High estrogen and uh -huh. nitric oxide are two things that can uh, cause a leakage of fluid into the air sacs and uh, a thickening of the pathway between the air and the uh, capillary, uh, so that the air just has to the oxygen has to pass through such a thick layer it just isn't uh, getting to the blood at a high enough concentration, hmm. and so that can. Uh, pregnenolone uh, alone seems to uh, sometimes uh, very quickly improve oxygenation. Hmm. And what would be a good uh, recommended starting dose for pregnenolone and progesterone and thyroid for someone with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease? Um, well, with thyroid, you want to start very slowly because it increases your need for oxygen as well as improving the uh, lung function. So it's good to start with pregnenolone, I think, which... It uh, doesn't have any hormonal effect, but it, it does help to uh, prevent edema and swelling of the membranes. And uh, the uh, uh, dose of pregnenolone doesn't really matter. You just don't want to uh, take such a big dose that you're getting additives and contaminants. So uh, 15, 20, 30 milligrams is often uh, a therapeutic dose, but it's okay to take 100 or 300 milligrams if you know the stuff is clean. Right. Okay. Uh, with progesterone, same thing, 10 to 30 milligrams can make a big difference. I wanted to um, ask you the question about the uh, relationship um, between uh, antibiotics and not the latest and greatest antibiotics, but um, specifically uh, minocycline. I saw some articles uh, on PubMed again uh, demonstrating that it lowered the inducible form of nitric oxide and the yep. uh, and cytokines that are pro-inflammatory. What do you think about minocycline? For, for several years, it's been recognized as a helpful factor for uh, Alzheimer's disease and other uh, brain Problems. Is that just because it's blocking the endotoxin production? Uh, it blocks the nitric oxide production. Directly blocking the nitric yeah. oxide production? Yeah, directly blocks the enzyme the way uh, niacinamide does. Wow. Okay, and then uh, I saw another article again for another old-fashioned uh, antibiotic, uh, tetracycline. Um, what do you what do you know about oh, tetracycline? Well, it, it's in the same family, right? Um, doxycycline, tetracycline, and minocycline. Uh, tetracycline. The only problem with it is that it's too cheap, and so doctors are not <laughs> educated to. So I wonder if cascara would have a similar effect because it has anthraquinones that are very similar to the tetracycline. Uh, yeah, I, I think um, that structure is. is What's happening? We have another caller on the uh, on the air here. So let's take this uh, next caller. Call away from. Uh, Ukiah. Ukiah. Hi. What's your question? I was wondering if you guys could talk about uh, the human growth hormone at all. Okay. In relation to anything particular, or 
Well, like some of my friends were talking about it because they like everybody they do weightlifting. Oh, right. they're talking about like it's a good thing to like build your muscles. Mm. And stuff. Yeah, same problem with uh, <clears throat> nitric oxide. I think so, Doctor Pete. Uh, what do you uh, what do you have to say to somebody who's using uh, growth hormone? Um, well, you have uh, the same problems that you uh, get from nitric oxide or estrogen. Uh, women, uh, surprisingly, chronically uh, during the reproductive years, have a high growth hormone chronically, and uh, the growth hormone uh, causes. Uh, breakdown of fat into free fatty acids. So women under the influence of estrogen typically have a, a chronic exposure to free fatty acids, which is, uh, if they're unsaturated, uh, increases oxidative damage. And uh, that's just a standard uh, function of growth hormone is to raise your free fatty acids. And uh, that's probably why they see an increased uh, thickness in the uh, wall of uh, blood vessels in the kidneys, causing a progressive loss of kidney function uh, from overexposure or chronic high exposure to growth hormone. And uh, uh, suspicion that it increases the risk of diabetes, which free fatty acids are known to cause. So it's very uh, think, inflammatory. Yeah, I think most of the most uh, it's unfortunate, but it's uh, it's uh, it's like another cult, uh, and unfortunately, males are a little bit seduced by the potential of growing bigger muscles uh, using anabolic steroids and other compounds. And so, obviously, growth hormone again is advertised very widely uh, in bodybuilding magazines. What, what does anabolic mean? Uh, muscle building. So it's the opposite of catabolism, which is muscle breakdown. Um, but it's unfortunate that most muscle bodybuilding magazines um, are reasonably rife uh, with products that I know would not be uh, founded on science to be uh, beneficial for you. It's unfortunate. And also the supplements that are touted to increase nitric oxide, people want to avoid those like arginine and citrulline. Citrulline. Okay, we probably uh, need to uh, wrap up the show this evening anyway. Thanks for the uh, all the callers that have called in. Dr. Pete, as always, thanks so much for your time and uh, your dedication. I really appreciate you joining us on the show. Okay, thank you. Okay, so I'll just spend the next uh, couple of moments uh, letting people know how they can get information uh, from the website, for either Dr. Pete's uh, research articles or I think that one person there was talking about uh, a book, and I know that it, uh, he said that recently here they've... Uh, turn to an electronic form uh, of the couple of books that he has written for sure. Uh, so his website is www.raypeat.com R-A-Y-P-E-A-T and he has lots of articles there that are fully referenced um, and then uh, the caller did call in about us so um, yeah, our business name is Western Botanical Medicine uh, and we have an 800 number Sarah? 1-888-WBM-HERB Okay, I didn't know if you wanted to say that or not. Anyway, so we can be reached, uh, you know, 9 to 5, uh, Monday through Friday after the show. Um, so until the next month, uh, next third Friday of next month, I uh, wish you a good night. It'll be uh, f more like fall next month. It'll be dark when we arrive at the studio at 7 o'clock. And so uh, as we wind our way into a, a gentle winter without any rain at this point, I uh, wish you all the very best and uh, happy Halloween for that coming up here about in a week or so. 
Thank you for listening. Good night. It's 7.58. You just heard the Herb Doctor. That's on KMUD, Garberville 91.1, KMUE, Eureka 88.1, KLAI, Laytonville 90.3, Shelter Cove, you're at 99.5, and everyone else at KMUD.org. Support for KMUD comes from Solar Winds, Northern Lights, Inc., a licensed, insured, bonded contractor specializing in the design, installation, maintenance, and troubleshooting of battery-based and grid-tied solar electric systems and complete electrical services for homes, homesteads, and agriculture. More information um, is available from Chris, 498-2804, or online at solarwindsnorthernlights.com. And also support for Cayman comes from the Inn of the Lost Coast in Shelter Cove with fireplace, spa, and sauna suites overlooking the ocean and views of migrating California gray whales. Fish Tank Espresso and Delgado Pizza and Bakery are open daily. More information available at 986-7521 or online at inofthelostcoast.com. All right, 759. Be uh, going into winging a prayer maybe like a minute early. Here we go.